Hello and welcome to Cryptids Decrypted. I am Ashton McCauley, your host. Uh, I write action-adventure books about monster hunting, and I've been interested in cryptids pretty much my whole life. If you want to check out anything more about me, you can go to macashton.com. It's my website. It's got all sorts of links. It's got stories. It's got stuff about cryptids. You know, pretty much anything you would possibly need if you're interested. Uh, before we get into today's show, I wanted to talk very briefly about conspiracy theories, because we, you know, we talk about them a lot on this show, and they're pretty central to a lot of myths. But I want to say that, you know, while we talk about them, it doesn't mean that we support or endorse them. So I just wanted to take a moment to say uh, conspiracies that spread violence, hate, or in general hamper the equal rights of everybody. We don't support them, pretty obviously. And, you know, for members of those conspiracies, this podcast isn't for you because we're probably going to take the piss out of your conspiracy at some point anyway. So with that out of the way, let's talk about Atlantis death rays and apparently the nazis because they just keep popping up enjoy all right uh welcome back to cryptids decrypted we have the entire crew here today we have tyler we have john we have myself and we are going we're going into uh it's it's not even a, a cryptid uh but you know it is something that is uh suspected to exist on the edge of reality so we're kind of stretching that definition a little bit but we're talking about atlantis you know what it is ashton it's off the rails it's off the rails which fits our theme and i think our last few episodes here are definitely going to be leaning into that a bit so last time we did mermaids this time we're doing atlantis next time we're doing bermuda triangle it's a it's a theme you know we're trying something out um it's a mini arc in the cryptids decrypted cinematic universe or yeah, we'll call it the water, you know. Uh, we should have done aquatic cryptids at the same time. Really failed on that one. Anyway, so what was the first time that you you both heard about Atlantis or like what was your first acquaintance with this myth? Yeah, I mean, it's something that's always been around. I mean, Disney's touched on it a couple times and we'll, we'll get to that in pop culture. But I think likely Little Mermaid for me. Um, and then it's it's something that no matter what what you're reading, whether it's you know, old, small kids' books, young adult, and then like big novels. Somebody's written something about Atlantis or worked it in. Yeah, I don't, I don't honestly remember where I heard it. Just like kind of like John said, it's just always kind of been there. Uh, so I don't have a good answer. I don't, I've never seen The Little Mermaid, so it wasn't Little Mermaid for me. Wait, have you still not know. seen Little Mermaid to this day? <laughs> I've never seen it. Whoa, that's crazy. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, and maybe it's just because it's in the goddamn title. But I, the first, the first sailing memory I have is is Atlantis. The what did they call it? The Lost, is it the Lost, Lost Voyage or whatever that no, that Disney movie is? The Disney movie. Yeah, it's uh, Atlantis: The Lost Empire. The Lost Empire. That's right. Yeah, it's great movie by the way. I, I so I remember enjoying it, but yeah. apparently it's 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 not well loved. It's really? it's tough because it's in that early two thousand stretch where. Like, Disney tried some weird things, and after they released Mulan, like, there's just, I don't know, I kind of think of it as, like, the Dark Ages for Disney. It was like that and Treasure Planet nearly bankrupted them, is what I remember. Yeah. People really love those movies, too. Like, people... Yeah, I love Treasure Planet, too. Like, those are both things that I remember watching and really enjoying as a kid, but... And then they didn't really bounce back until, like, Tangled and Princess and the Frog, and I think those were, like... Goddamn, that was a long time. 08, 09... Yeah, Disney had some. Uh, Disney had a rough period in there, but yeah, no shit. 
before we get into pop culture, you know, I guess, uh, John, why don't you take us through where this myth comes from? What, how, how do Atlantis, where, where do Atlantis? Um, well, in a nutshell, a guy told a guy, told a guy about it. Um, (laughs) and nice. Well, you guys are laughing, but like Plato heard about it from his teacher who heard about it from his teacher. And then Plato wrote about it in two of his works, Timaeus and Cretaceous, um, super advanced civilization that conquered like across the entire world. And then, um, the Athenians were the only people to like push them back. Um, and it was really to play up the whole concept of how powerful a state could be, which is one of those things that Plato had always tried to strive to get across to people, to get people to buy into his philosophy. Um, it sounds something along the lines of like Atlas Shrugged or Animal Farm or 18 or 1984, those types of works. Um, but at the end of the day, this advanced civilization sunk into the ocean in quote, a day and a night. And it, it is interesting to me that this is, this whole origin is coming from a philosopher because it, it, it feels like it could be strewn as a metaphor of like, no matter how advanced you are or how intelligent you are or those types of things, if you don't mind your surroundings, everything can be lost in like the blink of an eye. And it's just, you have to stay vigilant. Don't rest on your laurels. That's how I um, pick about it. But then, I mean, if you also look at like Greek mythology, the original story is that Poseidon protected this island. He put his son Atlas as the king. Um, they advanced at this wicked rapid pace. Uh, and while they kind of advanced, their ethics and their morals declined. They wound up again in, in this story, conquering a shit ton of land in Africa until they were pushed back by an alliance of nations led by Athena. At the end of the day, as punishment, earthquakes and floods end up sinking this island into the sea. And that's like just how it all goes down. Um, if you're looking at somebody like Ignatius Donnelly, he wrote the book Atlantis, the, and I may botch this, anti-antediluvian uh, world um his thought was effectively that somebody had to teach the ancient humans um our ancestors things like metallurgy language agriculture and those were the atlanteans and my point is well, who taught the atlanteans then you know if that's the way you're stumbling on it and you're not believing in evolution and the natural invention of things it's aliens um, it, it could <laughs> yeah, be aliens that's, and that's, I believe that's the leading explanation is it's aliens i think we're going to touch on that later um, a couple other theories like Atlantis turned into Antarctica and people didn't realize it had shifted so far south. And that's if something was true, that's kind of where mine go, where my mind goes. If, if you believe in the Pangean theory and, um, you know, all the evidence that does back that up. And then the last thing is the Minoan civilization was this super advanced ancient uh, society race that they built massive temples and those types of things and then all of a sudden they were just gone from history so people also do think that is related to atlantis and then the very last thing i do want to point out is um swedish physiographist ulf erlingson thinks atlantis is actually ireland um he says that stone age ireland matches the description of atlantis but this has been like refuted by the director of the National Museum of Ireland. He's like, no, that's that's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's what I got for kind of where Atlantis comes from. The the concept of it being um, this this sinking continent is 
it all came back from a philosopher, Plato, pretty pretty famous dude. I've but heard he of heard it from his mentor, who heard it from his mentor, and then Plato was the one to actually put it into works. Yeah. So I want to I want to dive a little. So I I ended up reading a, a shit ton about Plato and like how this story came about, just because it's super interesting and it's like um. I, so it, I think it, it it was mostly meant as like an allegory, right, or or a metaphor when he did it, but it ended up getting taken literally throughout the years. But so the the original legend of Atlantis it comes from they they were having a Socratic dialogue, which is essentially just a, a formal discussion group, I guess, guided by a facilitator, uh, where they're trying to reach an answer about some specific topic. So I, I call Book it old fashioned brainstorming. Book club. Yeah, book club. So the, this dialogue was to be about Athens' interaction with other states in past times and what made for good foreign policy. And Plato brought up... So the story, I guess, was like his his mentor. But his mentor, you're right, had heard it, I think, from somebody who heard it from the Egyptians who had then heard it firsthand. Because a lot of these come back to the Egyptians being the primary um, society that, that spawned off of Atlantis. Like, because they have these giant... Uh, technological wonders built so it all kind of tracks but i thought it was really interesting about how uh they described the island uh, or plato described the island he said that it was an island laid out in concentric rings of land uh which had intense like water and irrigation and canal systems running between them and the land was said to be incredibly fertile because the middle ring had fresh water piped up through it yeah and we will talk about that again about the concentric rings concentric (laughs) rings and the fresh water oh nice excellent yeah yep yep and then like uh so you know plato tells this cool story and they're they're trying to figure out like what the best policy is for athens so of course you know he tells a story about a nation that got too big for its britches and went and fought a bunch of people and got sunk as a result because of wrathful gods and it's actually thought that that might have been a metaphor for persia at the time which, if you've seen 300, uh, they were fucking shit up. And uh, Grecians <laughs> weren't exactly uh, none too pleased about that. Harkening back to what John said about Poseidon is just the idea that he fell in love with a mortal woman, begat a bunch of children in Atlantis, and was like, all right, uh, they erected a bunch of statues to him, and he helped them, you know, build these giant archaeological feats, like a 300-foot-wide, 100-foot-deep, and 50-stadia, which is six miles, long trench to the sea so they could accommodate even the largest ships coming into their port. That's a big fucking trench. <laughs> That's like... It's like the Panama Canal kind of. Yeah, no, I, was, I, I, I should have <laughs> looked up the size of the Panama Canal for comparison. That would have been good, but I didn't. It's too bad we're sitting in front of computers. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then I thought it was really interesting because the story just sort of abruptly ends with like Zeus getting pissed off uh, about... Or sorry, yeah, Zeus getting pissed off about Poseidon worship and like with the earthquakes and all that kind of shit. And it's just, there's, there's a whole lot of inconsistencies depending on which interpretation you read of it, because it is just stories told over time again and again and again, but then moving back to, so, you know, I think after we get through the ancient history, which is again, just stories being told and legends, we really get into conspiracies and Ignatius, who John mentioned, Ignatius L. Donnelly is the first real Atlantis conspiracy guy. And he was really big into pseudo-archaeology, which is basically archaeology that's not real. Uh, crypto, what? Crypto-archaeology. Yeah, yeah, like how, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a lot like cryptozoology, so it's, it's you know, definitely people are still doing it to this day, and we will talk more about that. But he believed that Atlantis was the cradle of civilization where man first rose from its barbarous roots. Um, 
And he said that as such, because because Atlantis was the cradle of civilization, he believed that that was the source for myths like the Garden of Eden, Asgard, any anything where there was like this mythical place that people would go back to. He thought it was a collective consciousness from the past of our memories of our ancestors, which is actually I think that's kind of cool. But like most theories about cradles of civilization, uh, it gets racist really quick. <laughs> And the, uh, the the next people to adopt it uh, end up basically feeding the Nazi movement. So I'm going to jump around a bit here, but there's this book called uh, The Secret Doctrine, which talks about uh, the human race rising from three distinct points. And one of those points is Atlantis, and that is said to be like the basically the best humans. Uh, Proto-humans rose out of Atlantis. And the rest were, I forget, I'm not going to repeat all the terms because, again, it's racist. Uh, but, yeah, so, it's you know. like traditional, uh, same shit that we've heard. Yeah, you know, I know. It's, it's it's amazing how many, like, <laughs> it's, it's amazing how many of these myths and stuff, if they're old enough, like, the Nazis have taken an interest the in them. Thing. Yeah. Like, so, they the Nazis take this book, The Secret Doctrine, and they start thinking that the... Those that came from Atlantis were superior humans, and this is actually, they think, the birthplace of the Aryan race. And they, uh, so they actually start referring to people as having Nordic Atlantean heritage, and this just, it fits really well with what we know of Nazis being super into the occult and trying to find things that were going to help them win the war and, like, you know, I guess get their master race out there. But the question this brought up for me, which ties back to our earlier myth is Nazis also a different faction thought that yetis were the progenitors of the human race. So my question is, Oh my God, was Atlantis filled with yetis according? Like if we go strictly based on Nazi facts, which is not something I like to do often, but Nazi facts, but in this case, I believe we call those alternative facts. Alternative. Yeah. Alternative. Settled facts. That a few years ago. So, Big white yeti people from Atlantis were the progenitors of the human race. Uh, sorry, Aryan race is uh, is what I've come to believe now. I uh, I like the idea of an entire civilization of of yetis. <laughs> and you, I like the idea of them being these just big, peaceful, furry people living next to the sea. Can you imagine how mad that fur would get with all that salt water? <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know. Salt nasty. water makes my hair look amazing, so <laughs> I assume they all have beautiful hair. Just a bunch of surfer uh, yetis, you know. Like just bleached out yeti yeti yeah. hair, really. Oh man, yeah, man. salt water. Salt water is great for the hair; makes it look really nice. Mm, get that nice sheen. Maybe they shouldn't mm. be in the mountains. Ah, tectonic shifting. There it is. There but it is. <laughs> um, we're looking in the wrong place. We're looking too low when they've been up high. Yeah, God. All right, let's <laughs> we'll finance the expedition. I'll get Peter Byrne back to go to the Himalayas again. Yeah. Um. So the the Nazis take it up. Uh, there, and there, I'll, I'll say there's also like a lot of conspiracy theories about Atlantis. So I kind of cherry picked a few. And this next guy, I found by looking into the wonderful program, uh, Ancient Aliens. Ooh. His name is Edgar Casey. He was a clairvoyant from Kentucky. He was a psychic, an alien lover, and you guessed it, a racist. Uh, mm. Mostly because he is he's taking the same idea of like uh, human origins coming from this place thought you were gonna say because he's from kentucky (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, you know, some things never change. Kentucky is the host of CryptidCon every year. We'll see you next year, guys. <laughs> We're never going to be allowed to go to Kentucky. So he, he would go into trance states and answer questions about past lives, the history of the world, and great mysteries and beyond. Because, you know, fuck it, why not? You got to get him, hit all the big three. And so his explanation was that he was simply communing with his higher self, which is how he kind of got around the idea that he was a member of the Christian faith. And, you know, going into trances and all that is not really... Um, well, depending on like, I guess, snake people churches, you know, but most of the time it's, it's not really a Christian ideal. Um, to go and, into trances. Yeah. People tended to see them as demonic, which, uh, you know, sure. So how, how does he relate to Atlantis? Right. Turns out he's got some wild fucking theories, uh, on this subject. It starts with his belief in polygenism, which is the old timey racist belief that we're all created separately around the globe. It's what people use to say that races are different from one another physically like that was the first way that people started categorizing and selling people great uh widely discredited uh theory because you know evolution but anyways in his trances casey claimed that he saw evidence of past atlantean lives in many north americans he was the another big proponent of this idea that people moved on to other bodies after they died and he thought that the north americans were the people who had come back from the dead atlanteans and through these readings, he discovered that Atlantis was a highly advanced technological society that eventually destroyed itself because of that technology, which is actually... He says North Americans, he means, like, Native Americans. Uh, no, 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 he means the white Indigenous people. Indigenous people. He means, he means the white people. So Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he, mm-hmm. You know, he was very specific about which people he met. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I thought that was similar to the Disney Atlantis movie that we talked about because they were, you know, highly technologically advanced and kind of collapsed in on themselves. Um, He also thought Atlantis was located in the Gulf of Mexico. And his other fun theory was that soul entities mixed with animals to create hybrid beings that were over 12 feet tall. And maybe that's why some of them thought of Atlanteans as a god race. So, you know. And yetis. Yeah. And see, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. That's where it comes back. It is. It's all. Yep. Yep. All right. Oh, God damn. There's so much here. Okay. So I'm going to run through these really quickly. Uh, soul types, something he believed in, that there were two types of Atlanteans, pure souls and sons of Belial who had abused their power and lost sight of spiritual essence. Uh, played Diablo. Belial's not a good guy. I've seen him real creepy. Uh, the sons of Belial are always drawn to the material world and never able to achieve enlightenment. The sons of Belial, weird, no daughters, just sons. They would project their spiritual gift into physical objects in Atlantis. And that's how they got this highly technological society was they were using spirit energy or whatever. And it was this projection into physical matter that drove humankind to materialism in the first place and made us lose our way. And if you thought that was wild, uh, there's also there's crystals involved. (laughs) Of course there is. Yeah. You know, we got to hit all of the right markers today. (laughs) So crystals. This part's pretty straightforward. Atlanteans harnessed crystals, different types of them, like firestones and whatever. And the special crystal properties allowed them to radiate more energy than they take in because, you know, thermodynamics, uh, which Casey was apparently not a fan of. Uh, And he said it was the answer was magnets, that that's how they did it. It was Hmm. magnetism in the crystals. Uh, in one of his prophetic fits, Edgar predicted that a blue stone with extraordinary healing attributes would be found on an island in the Caribbean where he believed Atlantis was. Lo and behold, somebody found a blue stone in the Dominican Republic and people lost their shit. Uh, yeah, imagine that. Because <laughs> stones are blue sometimes. Yeah, stones are sometimes blue. 
Last thing from Casey is the Death Ray, which I... So I will say also, like, a lot of this stuff about Atlantis, not as easy to find as other myths. Like, I had a really fucking rabbit hole to find out about this guy. Really? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I knew that there was stuff about aliens. I knew there was stuff about death rays and, like, nuclear bombs and stuff. But I was having the hell of a time finding it because there was just all these people trying to tell me the facts. And I was like, that's not what I want today. I don't want facts. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me why it's fake. I would like to know why people thought it was real. <laughs> So Casey believed that energy weapons were going to be the future and that by the 1980s, a death ray would be developed that could destroy humankind. So he believed this because those crystals in Atlantis uh, could harness and redistribute energy. So it's not far leap to think that you could do so with malice. He believed that the Atlanteans used this death ray to destroy the quote unquote gargantuan dinosaurs ravaging the earth, but realized that it could also be used to destroy societies and states. Because, you know, if you're out there lasering dinosaurs, it's just the hop and a skip to humans. Sorry, did you say that it harnesses malice? No, no, it could be used with malice. Just that, like, you know, because they were using it benevolently originally, and I'm saying that it's not a far leap to think that they could be mean about it or, like, like just want to kill people. Yeah, it wasn't like an emotional crystal. (laughs) I was going to say, I mean, that that could be the cause of malice in the palace. That guy throwing that cup of water, Metal World (laughs) Peace. There it is. But (laughs) I think think my theory has been disproven, so I apologize. (laughs) But this this death ray is what allegedly led to a three-stage destruction of the massive continent, which is what Plato recounted. Uh, so, you know, the death ray somehow destroyed the continent and sunk it. Overpowered crystal exploded and, you know. Yep, his power <laughs> level was too high. Uh, it was over 9,000. Over 9,000, and you don't do that. You just don't do that, Atlantis. Yeah, well, dummies. I- <laughs> Last one, Charles Berlitz, uh, or Berlitz, Charles Berlitz. So he wrote a bunch of books that cover all manners of theories from Plato to Casey, but his main theory is that the Bermuda Triangle is somehow involved uh, in Atlantis, and he actually thinks that the sinking of Atlantis is what caused the Bermuda Triangle in the first place. Uh, or, <laughs> so he has, two, he has two theories. He says, one, that it's this technological society that sunk and it's still doing shit that's causing the Bermuda Triangle. The second is is that itself, like Atlantis, was hit by the Bermuda Triangle and sunk. Well, it could be the death ray. Yeah, I, it could be the death ray is still going off, and that's why all these ships are just does the triangle move. So I think that's maybe that's part of like the continents moving because like a lot of these rely on continental shift happening much faster than it does. So he he basically wrote these books, and there was like a shit ton of theories for why it sunk. And depending on, or like, and depending on where it is, he changed his theory on why it sunk. So he had a bunch of theories about where it could be. So these range from like volcanoes to uh, nuclear technology or even quote unquote magical submergence, which is just literally him saying magic did it. And he was also a firm believer in ancient astronauts, uh, which is the idea that aliens were involved in ancient civilizations and gifted technology. Which, sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, like, as far as all the theories go, like, the aliens is maybe the most plausible if you were to go down the rabbit hole of believing this existed. But all that said, uh, so we know it's sunk. Tyler, where is it? (laughs) Well. (laughs) Tell me. Tell me where Atlantis is. Well, we don't know. Um, However, I will... There's a lot of different hypotheses for where Atlantis is or, um, you know, that sort of thing. So I want to talk about five in particular. 
Um, and I want to give a special shout out to a YouTube video. It's actually from the National Geographic. Uh, it's like a 45 minute documentary um, called Drain the Oceans. And it's basically about the search for these underwater societies, civilizations. So, number Not to one. Be confused with Drain the Swamp. Correct. Drain the Oceans. We're thinking on a larger scale. Um, so, the first one I want to talk about is called Yona. I, I, um, I always hate mispronouncing foreign words, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Yonaguni Monument, and that's off the um, southern coast of Japan. And this was actually discovered back in the 1980s by a, um, a tourist uh, worker. That area is super popular for um, um, scuba diving um, because of its population of hammerhead sharks. So kind of interesting. Um, anyway, he was looking for a new spot to, to go and discovered this um, this place. And so basically what it is is it has these, it's these giant rock-like, these rock formations Um it's huge. Like we're talking like 500 yards in size, eight stories tall, um, very regular shapes to the point where that's, you know, he thought it was man-made and we'll talk about another man here in a second who thought it was also man-made. Um, and he's got a little bit more, um, prestige to his name. Um, so yeah, a bunch of stuff like that. So national geographic, this whole documentary, it's really cool. They use, uh, modern technology to sort of create these 3d reproductions of, all these underwater cities. So they, they did that with, uh, in this documentary of the Yonaguni monument. So, uh, Masaki Kimura, <laughs> we need the hard segment today, <laughs> right? Uh, marine geologist, uh, one, apparently a, a very prestigious, uh, marine geologist in, uh, Japan. Uh, he actually to this day believes it, that it is a, uh, man-made, the remnants of a man-made castle. So he kind of runs through in the documentary um, some of the different features of it. So there is something that appears to be a uh, a gate to that leads into um, like a castle gate, sort of like a big arch gate um, that leads to a road, which then leads up to some steps. Um, at the top of the steps, uh, it there's these two large structures that. Um, resemble giant turtles overlooking this road. Um, pretty interesting looking. They don't, I mean, they're not super detailed, um, like turtles, but you can kind of, you can see where he see, where he's seeing turtles. Um, and according to Japanese folklore, there is a god who I think lives in like a tomb or something that's overseen by these two large turtles. So there is some, some logic, uh, to that. Um, he also talks about a um, triangular-shaped pool um, towards the top. It's large and it's shallow, um, which so basically it would allow people to kind of sit and relax in it. And the water in that area is surprisingly warm, which I believe is... Um, they talk about some hot springs. In, uh, Plato talks about some hot springs. Um, there's also some large uh, flat terraces that could have um, housed, I mean, we're talking 500 yards, so that, you know, potentially thousands of people. Um, and uh, he also discovered what appears to be primitive tools, a uh, potential artifact that might contain some sort of um, language, you know, some writing on it. So that's all his evidence um, that up until this point I was pretty interested in, pretty fascinated by. However, uh, (laughs) the land with these things, the, uh, land around the structure, you know, it's kind of above the water. 
Um, it's similar in features to what's underwater. So the stone steps, that kind of thing, that's everywhere around there. So it's not like it's unusual to see that stone-like structure. Um, it's definitely really cool, though. Um, and then the geologist, uh, other geologists, I say the geologists, geologists can confirm that the underwater structure is is one large rock unit and not pieces of it. So if you're going to be building steps, if you're going to be building roads, you're bringing in rock. So best case scenario, this would be completely carved um, into this into this one big ass rock. Um, as for the tool and the artifacts that uh, Dr. Kimura found uh he that's it that's all that has has been found of any sort of like human um some any evidence of humans being there so likely that was maybe dropped off of a boat or something like that um you know way way back so uh very very likely that it's just a geological formation so that one cross it off the list but it is interesting what about the, the the primitive writing tools and all that there was two artifacts. So he found, like I said, he found a primitive tool. Uh, and it was like literally a tool. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that like kind of looked like it would hang and have some writing on it, almost like a sign. That's it. That's all that was found. So okay. they, think, they think that's what was dropped off of a boat. Gotcha. Okay. Or, you know, or someone threw it in the water. Or the tool is like a Phillips head screwdriver. <laughs> like, this has got to be advanced technology. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's definitely old, but it would have, being you know, people that have been living there and living near the water. So um, the next one I want to talk about is uh, Al Alicanus, Alicanus Bay. Um, it's a Greek uh, bay on the northwest side of Zakynthos, Greece. Um, it's a, that which is, I believe, like an island off of the, off of Greece. And uh, anyway, it was uh, discovered by a Greek photographer while diving. Um, and it's kind of this large area with these strange shaped kind of unnatural looking stones in the in the water that look like maybe the bases the bases of um like pillars so kind of interesting um so there was this geologist professor <laughs> damn it these names are professor michael stakatakis stuck <laughs> Stakatakis. Yep, Stakatakis. I don't know. So he saw these uh, photographs that um, that that Greek photographer kind of you know took, and he he thought he upon seeing those, he's like, oh, these are definitely man-made. And he kind of remembers seeing some similar stones on land. So the documentary, of course, National Geographic, um, they. They kind of take us to see those on land ones, and it is similar for sure. Um, round, you know, base like sort of things for, um, like I said, like large, larger pillars. Um, National Geographic says that that area is 16 acres in size, so it's really, really big. So there are um, claims that some of these things have never been seen before. There's cut stone. Um, so National Geographic did this really cool thing. I'm more, I'm almost more fascinated by like the technology they use to do this 3d mapping so they take these photographs they have this guy just swim across the the bay it's because it's in this bay have this guy swim across the bay and just take picture 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 and they track it with gps so that they get this accurate recreation uh and 3d model of um, the bay's sea floor um in doing so they find nothing that suggests humans have been there so no pottery no weapons no tools nothing like that um 
the material, the formations, if they pull it out of the water, is way too soft um, to have been used to have been home to um, to people. And then lastly, the round shapes, which were you know kind of the entire basis for everything being uh, human, was um, caused by methane um, being secreted from you know deep within the core. These sort of vent-like things. Um, and they actually predate human activity by 5 million years. So they're super duper old. It's not, that's not uh, Atlantis either, but definitely interesting. Definitely um, something that people thought was um, potentially Atlantis. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's funny. Like I know a lot of these specials, I watched them as kids, as like a kid, like on National Geographic and shit like that, where it's like, they draw it out for the entire, the entire length of the episode. And at the end, they're like, hey, it was methane. Yeah, what I liked about this was that it was they showed I think four different places. Um, I added a fifth one here that I thought was also interesting and worth talking about here. Um, and they got they get more scientific about it than if it was say Discovery or History Channel know, or History Channel, <laughs> yeah, where they would have been. Well, maybe it was aliens. Yeah, like, they would have brought like, that no, ancient aliens guy on. Exactly. So this next one I think is actually super duper interesting. It's called Pavlopteri, and that's an Elafinos, Greece. Um, and it was discovered by a man named Nicholas Fleming, who was a um, maritime archaeologist in the 1960s. Um, He's kind of visiting the area with scuba diving, and he notices these rows and rows and rows of stones. Uh, and he just immediately thought, oh, this is man-made of some sort. So him and his buddies, they show up like a next, the next year or something. They take te- tape measures, and they start documenting everything and they start finding lots of pots lots of storage vessel vessels lots of tools they're just littered everywhere um so there's definitely evidence of human activity so this is very exciting for me uh hearing about <laughs> all this stuff um so there's you know it cuts to you in the documentary so this is my evidence i guess so national geographic then uh on a more modern level they find um uh, evidence even of graves um of more pots stuff like that so very cool um they map the un- they map it using some underwater scanning technology and it shows the lines um of stone that appear to be f- uh, the foundation of buildings um one building like they're different sizes so like one's like a giant building they kind of you know hypothesize what that might have been it's a big area that could have been like a market or something um and this could have been home to, to, you know, again, thousands of people. This is 20 acres in size. It's huge. Um, so there's evidence of occupation from 5,500 years ago or years. Sorry. Yeah. 5,500 years ago up until um, 1100 BC. So um, we're talking about from the Stone Age up until the Bronze Age, through the Bronze Age. Wow. So there's actually, yeah, this is an actual sunken civilization. Um and so there's a large um, sandbank that goes out into the water. Um, and that kind of suggests that this was likely a great spot for trade. Um, and if you look at a map, it's uh, it's in a good location for trade routes through the Mediterranean. So it, it actually makes a lot of sense for that to be a, a hub of, acti- of, of trading activity. There's also lots of evidence of, of loom weights, um, suggesting this was maybe a place where um, products were produced and exported. So I think this one was super duper cool because it's an actual possibility that this was like this under this civilization that got um, pushed underwater. So there isn't what's weird about it is there's no real historical reference to the city until 1960s. There's no 
they, they haven't really found any uh, documentation about this area. So it's kind of strange. Um, and there is evidence. Um, this is really cool. There's um, some geological evidence that uh, it was hit by three large earthquakes. Um, and that shifted the land so much that the uh, it all kind of fell into the, uh, into the water right there. So the water was able to shift up and cover up the uh, city of Pavlopateri. Wow, that that fits yeah. uh, that fits part of Plato's description too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's yeah. I don't know if that's big enough, but I mean, like he was he was a blowhard. They you know yeah. they all were. So so this next one is also this is the one that was not a documentary. So I found some YouTube videos on this one. Um, a lot of them are pretty conspiratorial uh, they're not so much they're not as uh, I guess they weren't the ones I watched not as good as the National Geographic documentary um, <laughs> go figure <laughs> it's, yeah it's called the the Rakat structure um, also known as the Eye of the Sahara so this is really cool if you google this I definitely recommend googling the picture of the Eye of the Sahara it's super super cool looking um, it's located in Africa um, and it might be uh, best the best correlation um, to Plato's references to um, Egypt and uh, knowing that the story kind of seems to have come from Egypt. Um, so this was discovered in the 1930s, uh, researched in the 60s. Uh, scientists kind of estimated or eliminated the possibility of it uh, being a crater um, and kind of determined it to be this 100 million year old rock dome that was formed um, from volcanic activity. So that's kind of the scientific angle to this. <laughs> Um, however, there are some really crazy, striking similarities to what is documented by Plato. So the first being the first king of this region was named Atlas, uh, the same name that Plato has for the king of Atlantis. So that's that was that's a pretty interesting thing. There's also a map from 480, I think it's 480 BCE, uh, that names that specific area as Atlantis. So, a you know. The same spelling, almost, except with an E instead of an I. Super interesting. Yeah, that's pretty um, close. <laughs> also similar in size and shape to what Plato describes, including the rings of land uh, with water between them. Very, very interesting, right? Um, there's reason to suggest that the Eye of the Sahara was an island at one point. Um, there's also a freshwater spring within the structure, within the middle of it. Um, elephants used to exist there, which was something that he, you know, discussed naturally i said they they existed naturally in that part of africa there's also evidence of human presence uh tools weapons that kind of thing um and there's also evidence of flooding however (laughs) there's one major major issue uh this site is not underwater it's actually (laughs) above sea level at this point so it's possible that the flood story maybe influenced it and that there was you know this really interesting civilization here i don't know but um definitely something definitely something wiped out by like desert encroachment i guess right like similar to like what's happening in china where the i mean i know that's man-made but deserts Mm -hmm. do move so yeah maybe maybe the flood was better to make his point in his story there's also the potential for and i i didn't i didn't put this in my notes because i thought it was a little bit of a reach but there's also potential for those people having the uh the atlanteans or whatever they were actually called there i can't remember but they might have gone to war with the Egyptians, and that was again part of the part of the myth. So that's the Rikat structure. Uh, if people want to look that up, R I C H A T, very cool in Africa. And finally, the last one, which um, 
probably a very you, you probably definitely heard of the Straits of Gibraltar. Strait of Gibraltar. Um, so scans of the sea seafloor um, and knowing that sea levels were 130 meters lower 9,000 years ago, or I guess what 11,000 years ago, um, reveals that there was an island in the location pretty much where Plato describes. So in the Strait of Gibraltar, it's it's water there now, but at one point um, there is believed to have been an island taking into account the lower uh, sea level. And earthquakes may have sunk the location some 20 or 30 meters. So pretty cool. Again, however, though, there is no evidence of people. There's no, you know, structures underwater. There's no, nothing on, on the on the island that seems to suggest that there was a structure at any point. Um, however, on the land near the island, it does kind of show that people did live here um, during the Stone Age. Um, people uh, discovered many, a lot of discoveries during that time, really important ones, farming, domestication of animals, sophisticated tools, wooden houses, trade routes, that sort of thing, all started during the Stone Age and may have started in that area. So again, you kind of have this story of this quote-unquote advanced civilization um at least by standards prior to them uh being there so that's what i got about where it might be yeah i think it's it's interesting like they the the locations really do run the gamut right like they're they're all over the place right and like like john said there's i mean there really is like a ton of different um ideas for where that might be um one of the ones that was that i didn't want to include because i couldn't find much about is, is is that it is now antarctica i don't know about that but you know yeah it's a theory i mean it's you know everybody has theories everybody <laughs> has theories so i mean with that i mean that segues perfectly into explanations of what could have happened and what it could be and i mean we covered most of them but just like you know quick recap the first one is Lots of pseudo-archaeology, um, which is essentially just taking existing theories, twisting them, remixing disproved theories, or just making wild assumptions about ancient civilizations based on modern belief. Um, like like you were talking about looking at the rocks and just assuming that that has to be man-made, when in fact it fits with the surrounding landscape. And I think a really great example of this that I found, specifically when I was digging on the trying to find more evidence for the aliens Atlantis conspiracy, which just there it's not fucking there. Like they'll talk about it all day on these history channel things, but it's just not, there's nothing there. Um, but there was this Mayan King that was found with a carving on the inside of his sarcophagus that looked an awful lot like he was ascending into space. And pseudo archeologists are like, see aliens were here and they helped slash doomed the Mayans eventually. And that's the same thing that happened to Atlantis. They look at that. They're like, okay, so he's ascending into the spaceship. Well, real archeologists are like, flip that image over and it actually shows him descending into the underworld, which is a really common theme uh, that's found on ancient sarcophagi, especially in these Mayan burial sites. And it's way more in line with the culture. So that's just an example of like what pseudo archeology span does where it's just like, it takes your modern notions, imprints them on things that don't really make sense. And then it can let you make jumps where it's like, there's a spaceship on this. It has to be a spaceship. It can't be anything else. <laughs> and I, I thought this was, pretty interesting like just going this is a tangent but going back to the idea of these ancient races and stuff disappearing andrew jackson actually used pseudo-archaeology to justify kicking native americans off their land originally by (laughs) saying that they killed the previous ancient race that was there before them uh so like just like all conspiracies it has problems it doesn't add up 
Um, the most literal explanation I found is that Plato loved to use colorful metaphors and just people weren't picking up on the fact that he was being like metaphorical and, and they, they took it literally. And then it just, you know, it game a telephone. Suddenly it's real. But Q-anon. I want to, <laughs> but I want to ask you what do you get? Just, just like, just like fucking QAnon. Like, good Lord. We, we all know about conspiracy spreading these days. It's, it's easy. It's so easy. Um, they didn't even have the internet back then. I know. Yeah, they had to have these uh, Socratic debates instead. They were basically the original <laughs> forums. Uh, but you they kicked their crazy uncle out of like whatever Greek ancient Greek Thanksgiving was. <laughs> they they kicked him out of the orgy. Um, <laughs> like, okay, Uncle Mike, get back to just Uncle fucking Mike. That butt. You can't come to this one. No. <laughs> All right, Mike, just bend over. All right. <laughs> It's an I'm not going to enjoy it as much this time. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so with all that, what are what are your thoughts on the myth? I guess any aspects of plausibility or no? Fuck no. This was a metaphor by a philosopher that people are morons and took seriously, and then it's a fun myth to write about. Like I'm, I'm not going to say fuck no. Actually, I think there's just too much. There are sunken civilizations. We know that there. There were advancements in technology at this time that might have seemed ex- doesn't seem don't seem extreme by our standards, but by their standards they might have seemed extremely extreme, very extreme. I don't think anybody was like flying around in a flying car or anything back then. It's not like the movies or um, you know the books or anything. But I think there is something to this. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I mean, I mean who knows? You know, it could have been. I don't think it was anything like, um, you know, like we know Atlantis today, but I do think that there was absolutely some, I think there's something to this. I just don't know what it is. So are we, okay. So to backtrack to, and to clarify, are we saying that the concept of Atlantis as a whole, or this type of thing has happened throughout history where some civilization has descended? Cause like we're seeing that, with islands in the Caribbean as like mm-hmm. the water level is rising and you have these islands New Orleans. that New Orleans as well. But I'm thinking of yeah. like specific islands that mm-hmm. like will not be there in like even a hundred years yeah. at the current rate. And like, yeah, that's happened before, but like Atlantis in and of itself, I just don't buy. I think, yeah, they're, they're sunken mm-hmm. cities. Yeah. But like I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I should clarify here. I don't know that Atlantis itself was a place, but I think there were, that maybe is like an exaggerated story of one of these cities that had that had fallen into the sea. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think that there are a bunch of aspects of the myth that are plausible. Like we know ancient cities right. disappear overnight, like Pompeii, like shit happens. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that earthquakes can cause sudden geologic shifts. I don't know about on that large of a scale. Like, you know, right. when you were talking about the civilization that had three earthquakes hit it, I wonder how quickly it sank after that. <laughs> right. Like, I, right. I, I doubt it was instantaneous. And then, um, you know, I think there's something really to this this whole ancient aliens thing. I think I'm uh, I think I'm into that. That feels pretty real to me. Uh, yeah. So, that one sits in the gut real nice. Yeah. It's like that yeah. That one. You're like, that's <laughs> also just that. I mean, that's fucking wild that that is his history channel makes a lot of money off it. But like just this idea that there's ancient astronauts and stuff like that we talked about it with thunderbirds way back when mm-hmm. too that that was like aliens fucking with pioneers <laughs> but isn't that 
what like Scientology is based off of the concept of aliens coming down and just like implanting souls into beings and those types of things. Um, I don't know a ton about Scientology. It, weirdly, I, I I actually was in a Scientology school for a year. That's not a joke. Uh, Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. When I was I a kid, I, I went to an elementary before. school, and we, they, we didn't know that it was a Scientology school. And then my stepmom actually found out by she saw on the phone like the school phones. Mm-hmm. If you flipped them over and looked at the backside of the numbers that people would call the Church of Scientology and all that shit was on there, and I was coming home saying that I couldn't tell her about stuff I was learning. Um, so that school got shut down. It's what now. Um, Do you remember what you were learning there? That like they said so you could tell. I was tell? just starting to read Dianetics. Like we were just starting to get to that piece because it starts out with. So this is a great tangent. Uh, Scientology. Yeah, awesome. Scientologist L. Ron Hubbard really good at math and really good at teaching math. So it starts off with like you're in these great math programs. Your kids are learning math faster than other people because it's like he has a legit math curriculum. And then they indoctrinate you once you start moving up. Like, it takes time. And so I was just starting to get to that point, and that's when they tell you, like, don't tell your parents what you're learning here because, you know, they might be kind of iffy about it. But that's now, um, I want to say, Roosevelt High School in Portland. Yeah. that's Roosevelt High School was Columbia Academy, which is where I went to school. But anyways, yeah, so that, I mean, you know, all this uh, ancient souls carrying over and all that kind of shit, that's definitely Scientology. But, you know, one thing is for sure, like, bullshit or not, Atlantis definitely captured a shit ton of people's imaginations, and it has been done to death in pop culture. So, John, why don't you run us through the hits? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Atlantis is everywhere in pop culture. It's super easy to write about. The concept is, you know, pretty broad, where it's it's a civilization, many times super advanced, under the sea. And that could be, you know... People that have evolved into, you know, fish people. It could be air pockets that are trapped under there, or it could be, you know, like a dome or something underneath. So the Gungans, whatever. Yeah, the Gungans. Like that's that's a, that's a great. I mean, you laugh, Ashton, but that is a great like Atlantis type story. Hundred percent. You know, amongst so many different pieces of pop culture where. You know, in books, there's been a shit ton written about Atlantis, you know, ranging all the way from 20,000 leagues under the sea to, and that one's not about Atlantis, but they do go there. Um, like Clive Cussler wrote an entire book about it. Arthur Conan Doyle wrote an entire book about it. There's a small segment in um, Animorphs where they visit Atlantis. And a lot of times it's like Atlantis is just a bit piece that they touch on then never come back to. And like, or it's it's the entire central figure of it um it's yeah it's a fascinating thing and then looking at like movies we've had two disney movies that revolve around atlantis the little mermaid takes place in atlantica king triton rules it uh and then the other one is atlantis the lost empire which we touched on a little bit earlier i think they got a sequel Um, to that one too they did disney movies do you count the sequels I don't know. Disney made a shit ton of sequels in the 90s and early 2000s that were like... Yeah, they were all direct-to-video. They they were just like not careful with their IPs at all. They were like, this did well in theaters. Let's make six more. Well, now they have Disney Plus. Just do that now. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think that's what what they are going to do. But they're Um, doing it better. Yeah, they made three Aladdin movies. They made like three uh, Little Mermaid movies. Like they they just just went hog wild. Even The Lion Um, King had a sequel. Yeah, it did. uh, But coming back to movies around atlantis i mean <laughs> aquaman um just came out the other year uh, that's you know a dc movie with 
um, the not-wrestler version of Roman Reigns, Jason Momoa. Uh, and then Journey to the Center of the Earth, like, that whole concept is they go to Atlantis, but it's not where they thought it would be. I mean, looking at comics, Marvel and DC have both touched on Atlantis. DC, again, with Aquaman, Marvel... I mean, Tyler, you're, but you're more of kind of a deep-knowledge guy, but, like, they haven't really touched on that in the MCU, but... Huh. There are comics that revolve around Marvel or um, underwater people. Atlantis. I don't know much about uh, Namor. I don't know much about him, but it, it is specifically it's... Atlantis, though. Is it okay? Yeah, in like in Marvel Ultimate Alliance, one of the five. Like, oh yeah, you're right. Areas is Atlantis. Um, and then there, I mean, shit. You talk video games. There's everybody goes to Atlantis in some way, shape, or form. And then you know, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis is one of the widely regarded as one of the greater one of the better you know point and click adventure games but it was just a really I actually long played time it ago like a year ago yeah and i've heard it those so have been coming back because cool. they were yeah. they were apparently very good yeah it's actually well in that good. one that one especially i mean it was on jared petty's top 100 po- or games podcast too and that's where it caught my interest where it's like it, it apparently still really does hold up um and and i mean we could we could talk pop culture all day i don't want to go down a list one at a time because that would we would be here. It's you know, a very popular myth, and it's just—it's it, so damn entertaining. Like I'm gonna add—I'm gonna add to that fucking list in a few years whenever Maelstrom comes out. Like, yeah, and I mean, you because you can do whatever you want with it, and and like with even looking at Atlantis, the Lost Empire, they took two different approaches to Atlantis, where um, it was this fallen, technologically advanced civilization. There were like two warring tribes, and you know they find crystal powered mechanisms there that they fly around and do all these things with but the people who live there now are actually like aztec um kind of primal people yeah like they don't use technology so it's it's really fascinating from that respect that one i think i think fits a lot with uh casey's conspiracies and stuff like that like the that that it that tracked a lot for me there but yeah i don't know just super super interesting myth like a lot of a lot of depth to it, probably just because it's been around for so damn long. Yeah, when when you told me this was the the topic, I got pretty stoked. This one and and our next episode. Yeah, did I think did you, I? I think you pitched it, Tyler? I think you actually no, originally maybe. pitched this topic. That's why I was so excited to, to finally <laughs> talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I so I I love the the last three before we do our cryptid royale being themed here because. I know I briefly touched on the Atlantis being Atlantis being related to the Bermuda Triangle, but I think that that's that's going to be a really interesting rabbit hole. I mean, the Bermuda Triangle is going to have like a bunch of fucking conspiracy rabbit holes to go down for sure. Um, But I think that that'll be an interesting one, too. Hopefully we can get to some cryptids because I know that there is theories that there are sea monsters hiding in there. So there's literally a book written about that called Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters. Oh, is that in the Bermuda Triangle? That takes place in the Bermuda Triangle. Oh. Yeah. I saw the first movie. I liked that movie. Yeah, the second one I have heard was very bad. The books are fun. They're quick reads. If you have kids, they'll love them. Or if you are a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you are a we kid, we have kids who listen, listen to, this to this podcast, podcast according to my metrics. So. Do we? How young? How young are you? Uh, so it doesn't, I mean, their COPPA that's... doesn't let you know how young people are past a certain age, but. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Hey, we got, we got interviewed by a few of them one time, remember? They, oh, that's oh, right. <laughs> Those were children. That was yes, the Thunderbirds episode. Double callback. Um, yeah. But yeah. Anyways, uh, 
I mean, thanks, guys. This is great. I can't wait to do Bermuda Triangle next. Uh, that one will hopefully be out like two, three weeks after this one, depending mm-hmm. on if I can get off my ass and edit this, uh, which I am fixing to do. I believe in you, Ashton. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm really excited to do Bermuda Triangle next. Uh, and hey, like I said, we're we're sticking to schedule. So I'm really hoping that that one's going to be out in about two, three weeks, um, you know, just depending on everything. And then if you have any suggestions for the future beyond season three, let us know. Hit us up on Instagram uh, at Cryptids Decrypted. Hit us up on Twitter at Cast Decrypted. And uh, yeah, you know, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you and uh, talk to you next time.